Hello, my friends. Welcome to Kingdom.Think. Today is Deuteronomy 7, 8, Psalms 83, and John 15. I hope you're enjoying all these Kingdom.Think podcasts because, you know, the Bible doesn't change. You get to listen to these over and over and over, year after year, and um, yeah, and you just get to build on it. I think you're going to discover new and new things um, each time you read it. Now, I'm going to go jump right into John 15 because... How could I not? It's the chapter on love. That's right. I love this part. Um, Okay. And I have some insight and some of my own opinions on things, but I'm just going to kind of like summarize it and then I'll just go back and give you my two cents. So I am, starts off with, I am the true vine. So Jesus is the vine because he's speaking. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Oh, I love that illustration. That's sweet. He cuts off every branch that in me that bears no fruit. So things that are not bearing fruit. I love that. He cuts off every branch in me that does not bear fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it so that I believe even that it will be even more fruitful. Um, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me, I and you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers and is thrown into the fire. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Time out. If you remain in me and my words, what are his words? Everything we're reading, everything in the Bible right here, piece by piece, day by day, everything that is in this word, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Sounds golden to me. Okay, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. Um, Verse 11, I've told you this so so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. How clear Jesus is being, right? He's giving, let me show you an example. Like, God is the gardener. I am the vine. You are the branches. If the branches are not bearing fruit, we're going to cut off those branches, get rid of them. But if it's bearing fruit, we're going to prune it, build character so that it can build, it can produce more fruit. And Jesus is saying, and by the way, if you do this and you keep my words, ask anything. So good, so good. And then moving on to verse 12. This is the famous command. My command is this. I really do love this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friend. You are my friends. If you do what I command, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I call you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. So everyone has gifting. God has put gifting in everyone. So he's called out everyone, right? He's, he's sought out. Every single person on this planet has a gifting that has been given from God. And it has been, you have been chosen. Not everyone uses their gifting. So not everyone is bearing fruit, sadly. Um, but it is in them because they are unique. And yes, um, whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. That is my command. Love each other. So powerful. Now, we think that love means 
we know, you know, love is such an ambiguous term. So here comes my two cents. Love, ambiguous term. There's a romantic love. There's a love for pizza. There's a love for nature. Um, you love your pets. You love your children. Um, you love your country. All of those loves have such different meaning. So therefore, when we read this in the Bible, we don't totally understand what it means. Did you know that? Like we say that God is love. What does that mean? Is that like the kind of love that I have for pizza? Or is it the kind of love I have for my children? Oh, I don't think it's romantic love. What does it mean? We don't understand. So if you can imagine, and this is how I recently explained it to someone, love isn't an emotion. It isn't a thing. An ex- isn't not, it can show an, ex- an emotion. It can show an expression. It can show an action, a service. But love is a being. It's, an, it's, a, it's a feeling. It's like a warmth. You know, if, if you're a blonde, I don't have to convince you that you're a blonde and try to convince you that you're a brunette. But if you're a blonde and you know you're a blonde, if I try to convince you you're a brunette, you're going to be like, well, that doesn't make sense. I know I'm a blonde, right? That's what love is. It's just a knowing. It's just, it just is. On the same side, if you know, like if you're a brunette, I don't, and I'm trying to convince you that you're a blonde, you'll be like, no, I'm a brunette. It's a knowing, it's a being. And love is a being. And it is the highest vibration. So love is literally an energy and it's a, it's the light. Um, and so when he's saying love each other as I have loved you, in other words, be radiant to everyone, be grace, be forgiving, be abundant with emotions, with presence. Um, and I hope you get that because I just, we need to explore what love means. I think everyone has gotten totally confused and it's important that we continue to explore what love means. Okay. Then the world, and then moving down at the bottom of this chapter, he talks about how the world is going to hate the disciples because they hated Jesus. So they're going to hate, hate them. Um, and then verse 26, when the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the father, he's talking about the spirit, the spirit of truth who goes out from the father, he will testify about me. Okay. So he's kind of giving forethought, but the most important powerful part about this chapter is love each other. And all I suggest, I was giving you clues into different understandings of love. And all I suggest is that you just kind of ponder, what does that mean? Love each other. It means be nice. Does that mean say hello to people when you walk in the street? What does it mean? Does it mean you're supposed to give away all our money to every person on the street? What does it mean to you? And that's something hugely that needs to be explored because God is love. He's telling us to love each other. It's one, It's the greatest commandment. Love God with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your might. Love each. Love your neighbor as yourself, right? What does it mean? Okay, I'm going to leave it at that, that part of the chapter. I, I don't want to just, you know... Cause you got to come up with your own perspective on it because it's, it's what this whole thing is all about. God loved his people so much. Jesus loved the people so much. Even Moses loved the people so much. So this is powerful. Um, okay, so I'm going backwards, by the way. Did you notice? That doesn't happen very often, but we're just having fun with it. 
So I am now at Psalms 83. O God, do not remain silent. Do not turn a deaf ear. Do not stand aloof, O God. See how your your enemies growl, how your foes rear their heads. With cunning they conspire against your people. They plot a bent against those who cherish those you cherish. Come, they say, let us destroy them as a nation so that Israel's name is remembered no more. Remember Jesus said that um, people were jealous of Jesus or they were envious or they hated him. So they hated his disciples. Well, the Israelites were so anointed by God that the people hated them too. Isn't that so typical when you are blessed and let's say you're blessed with a great business or a lot of money, people are going to hate you because humans are humans and they have jealousy and they think of themselves. And so that's exactly what's happening here as well. Um, with one mind, they plot together. They form the alliance against you. The tents of Edom and Ishmaelites of Moab and blah, blah, blah. Um, verse 9, do to them as you did to Midian. Okay. Make them 13. So it's like a, he's asking God, hey, can you take out the enemies, please? Because uh, they're shaming us, your people. Let them know that you, whose name is the Lord, that you alone are the most high over all the earth. I get it because I feel that way right now. There's so much, you know, evil in the world. There's there's crime that happens against people. There's poor, there's poverty, there's people addicted to drugs, there's children being abused, there's human trafficking, so much evil. And we need to continue to cry out to God, say, Come on, God, show up, take these people out, show your stuff, show what you can do. And um, God's going to hear the cries of his people. He always does. And he's going to show up again, even in this day and age. It's going to happen because it's happened repetitively, repetitively over and over and over and over in the Bible over thousands of years. You don't think that God's not going to show up in this day and age just because we're fancy we got technology. We're so sophisticated. You're going to think God's going to show up. He is going to show up and he's going to punish those people and rescue. Not on our time, but it's going to happen. Rest assured on that one. Okay. Kind of passionate about these chapters today. My goodness. Okay. We're moving on to Deuteronomy 7 and 8. In chapter 7, Moses just continues to talk, talk, talk about what's been going on. And so he's reviewing all the nations or the groups of people, um, the nations that were overtaken at the beginning, seven nations larger and stronger than you. But the Lord God just, he just goes in and he just cleans house. He, he, he fights the wars for them, but he gives it and he makes it very clear. You must defeat them and then you must destroy them totally. Now, again, we always say, well, that's not right. Is it not? The evil was pervasive in the land, in the people. It's kind of like, remember, if you always want to make correlation to today, it's kind of like, let's say you really want to get your, your life right with God. What do you got to do? Get rid of the things that are causing temptation, that are causing you to stumble, um, that are symbolic, that maybe, maybe you have evil things in your house that you need to get rid of. Get rid of those because they keep a spirit on them. Maybe there's books 
Maybe there's witchcraft. Maybe there's things that are of evil spirit. God's saying, get rid of them, get rid of them, get rid of them. Don't keep them because they will just fester. And it's the same thing with your own life. If you want to get right with God, you know, it's like, it's not, you know, um, it's not dreadful. It's the things that cause you to stumble. And what causes you to stumble may not cause someone else to stumble. There are some things that are very distinct, like witchcraft and um, that kind of stuff, spiritual things. But there are things that cause you to stumble. Anyways, he's saying just get rid of those things. And yes, they may, may feel bigger than you and stronger than you, but God will prepare. Just you have to do your part and get rid of them. And then God will rescue you from those things. Break down the altars, um, get rid of their sacred stones and burn their idols in the fire. Don't even keep the gold and silver that's on their idols. Don't be tempted. And then moving down chapter seven, I just wanted to point out, remember we talked about love in the New Testament? Well, here on verse eight, but it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath, he swore to the ancestors that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery. And then moving down again, he says, the Lord, your, um, he is faithful. He keeps his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandment. Um, and then he talks about those who hate them, hate him. If you pay attention to these laws and be careful to follow them, then the Lord your God will keep his covenant of love with you. And he swore to, his, to your ancestors. He will love you and bless you and increase you in numbers. And he's going to bless you with herds of cattle and, and children and crops and all these kind of things. Um, if you stay in love close. So, so wait, time out. God is love, but he's also saying he loves his people, but he's also saying obey his commands. So wait a second. So if we do these things, we're drawing closer to God, which means we're in a love, like we love God. We are closer to God. We're following his ways. We feel joyful. We have all this abundance and we're even free from every disease. Um, and you might say, okay, so all the, he's again, remember I said 365 times, it says, do not be afraid. Verse 18 says it again. Um, oh my goodness. Verse 21, do not be terrified by them for the Lord, your God, who is among you is a great and awesome God moving down. Um, no one will be able to stand up against you. You will destroy them. Do Ooh, do not bring detestable things into your house um, like it will be set apart from destruction regarded as vile and utterly detestable, just like we talked about. Then moving on to chapter eight, do not forget the Lord. He said, remember, remember we, we, we were in the wilderness for 40 years. He, remember he did that because he wanted to humble you and test you and build our perseverance. Remember he wanted to mold and shape our heart and check our heart. It's always like, check your heart. So if you, you feel offended or you feel angry or you feel pride or you're in a new position, always like, check your heart. Be right in your heart. It's always check your heart. God is always looking at your heart. So you might say, well, I'm doing this for the best intention of all the people, mm, but you're not showing fruit. Check your heart because your heart might not be right with God. You know, that happens in ministry all the time. People are in ministry and they're like, well, I'm doing all these good things. I'm doing all the checkoff list, 
but it's not growing. It's not producing fruit. Check your heart because God is always looking at the heart. The true intention. Um, okay, he talks about manna. He's reminding them everything that happened. Praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God. <laughs> Moses is just like, please don't forget. You guys, remember all that God did. Don't forget. Um, and then moving on to verse 14, then your heart will become, oh, ooh, if you have too much abundance, be careful. If you're blessed too much, be careful that your heart doesn't become proud and then you forget that it came from God. You're going to think that you did it with your own strength and power. Um, but really, remember the Lord your God, for he is the one who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors. So is wealth bad? No, of course not. How could wealth be bad for the child of a king? It's only when wealth hardens your heart or makes you proud or makes you say, hey, you know, look at me, I did this. No, 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 don't forget the Lord your God. He's the one to give you the ability to produce wealth. So do we have the ability to produce wealth? Yes, yes, and yes. Says so right here. And then moving on to verse 19, if you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods, including wealth and pride, and worship and bow down to them, I testify against you today that you will surely be destroyed like the nations of the Lord destroyed before you, so you will be destroyed for not obeying the Lord your God. How does that apply today? Maybe we don't get destroyed immediately, but surely if we have pride issues or um, our hardened heart or manipulative or evil or things like that, we're going to be miserable and our life will be destroyed. So there you have it. Now, remember, there have been other verses where God says, yeah, even if you're there and you really repent and cry out to God and your heart changes, not an easy thing to do, of course, but can be done. If your heart changes, God always hears the cries of his people. That was good stuff. How'd you like going backwards, John, New Testament, Psalms, and Old Testament? It was fun. I had a good time and I'm getting used to it. So hope you enjoyed that read. That was Deuteronomy 7 and 8, Psalms 83 and John 15. Have a great day, everyone.